Hello and welcome to the Collecting Heroes podcast. I'm your host JD, the collector of collectors, and this is the place where I interview pop culture collectors from around the world. Today, we're going to ride the orange blimp to nostalgia land with my next guest. His name is Marcus Jones. He's from Southern California and he is a Nickelodeon collector. Marcus, thanks for joining me. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it a lot. You know, getting to everything scheduled was a little bit difficult being in Australia, but we got to figure it out. So that's what matters. Not a problem. Not a problem. Like I said to you earlier, I'm, I'm so used to interviewing um, people from the States now that it's quite common. I've had quite a number of different guests from the States. I've had the UK. So time zones for me is, is just one of those things that I've got to do for the podcast. But I really appreciate you. you spending the time with me today. I discovered you about a year or so ago, actually, through your YouTube channel, I believe it was. You know, started following you and and really just love the way that your collection is set up. So, you know, I had to eventually have you on the show and I was really happy when you accepted. But for people, uh, you know, who aren't familiar with you and your collection, give us a little bit of a background to you and your love for Nickelodeon. Where, Where did that evolve from? So Nickelodeon is pretty much like, I mean, I guess I could explain the whole collection too and like how that grew to the mass that it is, but starting with the love of Nickelodeon, I guess it would be just as early as I could remember, like the, like the earliest memories I have are like sitting at the kitchen table, you know, for breakfast though, watching Rugrats with my sister and like, you know, she was a little older than me. So she was always watching Nickelodeon. And I remember seeing Ren and Stimpy, you know, Doug and, Rugrats and watching those things. And those are some of my earliest memories. And even more than a majority of people, like, like a lot of my friends growing up, they have a lot of Disney memories. I feel like in my household, Nickelodeon was kind of it, you know? Yeah. Nice. And so I'm they, familiar with some of those shows that you mentioned uh, because mm-hmm. late 90s was, was sort of where I was mostly exposed to Nickelodeon. As, as I mentioned, you and I, a little bit apart in age gap and i know you you're also a huge spongebob fan as well but I, i'm very familiar with rugrats <laughs> um rocco's modern life uh obviously ren mm-hmm. and stimpy I, I used to be able to and i may still be if i if you if push came to shove i think i might still be able to recite a number of uh, ren and stimpy songs like the i think it was the canadian kilted yaksman the the theme song yeah. for that as well <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah, I used to be able to joy, joy down. and I oh, happy, happy joy joy. Of course. Yes. Or is it, if you ain't the granddaddy old liars or something like that, I, I I'm trying to remember the yeah. lines now. It's been so many years, but I used to be able to rattle them off word for word and, and absolutely loved them. So, so yeah, watching those as, as a kid, uh, I noticed you've got a lot in your collection, a lot of, uh, cereal so i imagine as a kid you're probably running out and grabbing all those different cereals as well and eating those as you're watching the 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 show as well yeah bless my bless my mother's heart you know i i definitely (laughs) pushed her to the extent of of wanting a lot of things growing up especially like you said the cereals and stuff like that and my earliest nick memories like you said with like ren and stimpy rocco's modern life like I watched those shows growing up, but like a lot of my memories, like, you know, I was really young. So like a lot of my memories really came into like fruition with SpongeBob and Fairly Odd Parents, Jimmy Neutron. Mm-hmm. A lot of those mm-hmm. things are what I remember the most, but I like, they're kind of a part of me, just the sense of humor from Ren and Stimpy. And, you know, like you said, Rocco, uh, Angry Beavers, all of those shows, like you still saw them on even in those eras. And I went back and watched a lot of those things now. And 
you know, I could just appreciate them so much more because like when I was watching them, I was like barely coherent because I was, you know, very young. <laughs> but now I can, you know, fully absorb them. And I'm just like so grateful for the the time that, uh, you know, we got to grow through that, you know, that period of time is just so beautiful. And I feel really lucky and blessed to have had that childhood. I've also got a younger sister who's not much older than yourself. And I remember, like I said, my teen years, obviously seeing Rocco's Modern Life and Renna Snippy and everything. But then when she was younger and during my 20s, uh, I remember like sitting down and watching Nickelodeon on uh, the cable TV over here in Australia. And she would watch uh, things like uh, Cat Dog was one of the ones she used to love. Um, yes. Obviously, uh, th there was some SpongeBob in there as well. Um, I'm trying to think what else. There's something else I'm thinking of. Uh, Invader Zim. Invader Zim was another one as well. But yeah, so I remember like really that like late '90s, early 2000s era. Early 2000s, yeah. Sort of that early to that, yeah, definitely 2005-ish sort of around around up up to about yeah. that that time. Um, yeah, that would so, have been yeah. like when fairly odd parents were just like you know like you said spongebob was just getting really going after that point yeah yeah i, I didn't actually realize how old spongebob was that came out in 1999 i always thought it was a few years later than that that's what i always like you know i always say you know he's part of the 90s nicktoons it's he's got a, a toe in the door but you know he's yeah he's made it so with your collection i i know You've got some of the items from when you were younger. Um, I was actually, the very first video I ever watched on your YouTube channel was from last year, you did a, a tour. Uh, you did um, a room tour of your collection. Uh, it's about a 40 minute video. It's so fun to watch. Uh, your energy in it is, is wonderful. I feel like actually watching some of your videos on YouTube, I feel almost like um, it gives me a little bit of a Saturday morning cartoon sort of vibe in, in, in the energy that you give off, which I love. I think that's really cool. Yeah, it's uh, definitely like I, like I was saying, like that's it's definitely ingrained in me. Like my sense of humor is like it's straight up out of a comic book or like a cartoon from that time <laughs> period. Like that's just how my sense of humor is. The things that make me laugh, the things that I enjoy are all in that same vein. So the energy I try to put off is definitely in the same like, you know, like I said, same vein, just to kind of put out the same energy that I enjoy so much. And that's what I'm talking about usually, you know, so I try to put those same values and energy into it. And I definitely have to update that towards soon, though. <laughs> A lot has changed since then, too. I know. I've, I've seen that so many videos that you have, like, uh, you know, doing toy hunts in Walmart and Target and also with all the things that other people um, from the – the rep pack, I, th I believe it's called. Is that right? Your your group yes, yes. of followers, the rep pack, as in reptile. Yeah, beautiful people, the community. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's your community, which is lovely. But going back to the to the collection, as I mentioned with you as a, as a kid, uh, you mentioned in that video one of the earlier items that you have was like a nightlight that your mom got for you as well, a SpongeBob nightlight. Mm -hmm. Tell me, tell me about those pieces that you collected as a child and do you remember what the first spongebob item is that you collected you know the thing is is like i think that's one of my core like memories is uh it was like a big influx at once like i was into the spongebob show i remember first watching it like sometime late at night it was maybe around seven or eight it was kind of like you know where most cartoons were starting to you know, start putting on some random stuff that they don't play very uh -huh. often and uh -huh. maybe you know i flip to nick at night 
but it was later than usual and I was up and I remember I had to go to bed so I didn't get to finish the show but I remember loving it and enjoying it so much I didn't know like how to work the TV guide necessarily or when the show would come on I would just watch and hopefully that would come up <laughs> so I would just watch and eventually the show came back and then I watched the full episode and I loved it so much and I was enjoying it and I wanted to watch more of them but it wasn't at the point where, you know, now or even, you know, a few years ago where this just like half the day is SpongeBob on, you know, <laughs> so I had to like kept watching whenever it just came on and eventually it did start to come on a little more. And I remember my mom, she bought me the uh, I have I have one of them in the collection and one sealed with just such a big memory for me. The season one collection box set, you know, and oh, cool. the green box artwork and with the three disc and like I must have you know, torn those discs to shreds from playing them over and over and over again. <laughs> and just like reading the little note inside of there from Steven Hillenberg. I didn't even know who he was at that time. It was just a note from somebody who I guess worked on the show. And I, you know, I was barely able to piece everything together to read it. And, you know, my mom, she actually enjoyed the show too. So then it became like a family thing to watch the show. Like she would watch it. My sister would watch it. And the, the humor of the show was so, expanded that like it really reached everybody in my family in some way so that made me like it even more because now it's not just something i'm watching it's something i can bond with my family over and they get it you know like they get this like they didn't maybe they didn't really understand Ren and Stimpy, you know <laughs> they didn't really understand cat dog and this this dog and cat that are fused together and you know? <laughs> but for whatever reason they got spongebob and they understood everything that was going on and like, I remember a few years after, maybe like a, not maybe a few years, maybe about a year after that, like I said, you know, my mom is my biggest hero in my life. She's just amazing. And I remember I came home one day and like my room door was closed. It was locked and I couldn't get into it. And I'm like freaking out. Like, no, who's moving to my room? What's going on? You know, like, you know, that's my only space. <laughs> so, um, you know, I asked my mom and she was like, oh, we have a surprise for you, you know? And I'm like, okay, what's it going to be? I opened the door and the entire room was just redone in SpongeBob theming. There wow. were SpongeBob lights. Yeah, SpongeBob lights, SpongeBob bedspread, the SpongeBob lamp that you're uh, you're speaking of. I mean, all the way down to the tissue box. You know, my mom was not like we were not wealthy by any means. It was just literally her taking the money that she did save over a period of time and putting it all into that. And I was, you know, I mean, I just couldn't believe my eyes like to me I could have what you could have dropped me in the center of Disneyland and I wouldn't have been as excited as I was to be in my own bedroom that's so cool so all of those different products I think just live in my head is just one of the happiest moments you know and there were so many different things at that moment so that's where I acquired a lot of my collection was just my bedroom at that time um I had even convinced her to paint my bathroom blue I wanted her to paint my whole bedroom blue <laughs> And do like bubbles and stuff <laughs> on the wall but she was like well you know we might move and you know that's gonna be harder <laughs> to get rid of <laughs> but i did get her to paint the bathroom blue so i had the bathroom blue and you know i had spongebob towels in there and i slowly just every time we went to the store it was just you know pulling on her pulling on her shirt trying to see what the next item i could add to the you know my room and i didn't really know i was collecting per se it was just kind of I loved it and I wanted more of it. And I also started acquiring other Nickelodeon items as well that I just enjoyed the network so much. And, you know, maybe also just those memories tied together just made me enjoy everything about it even more. 
That's so awesome. And that's so great that you've got that core memory of her doing that for you. Uh, you talk about the, the SpongeBob um, tissue box. It sounds like maybe some happy tears were shed that day as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was just, I didn't even know there was that much, like, you know, I told you I'd watch the show and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And like, I think, you know, cause my, like I said, my mom, we didn't have a lot of money. So like, we kind of steered clear of the toy section and, you know, certain things. <laughs> we got the groceries and we came out. So I didn't really see all that stuff. I didn't really know that anybody even really knew about the show besides me and my family. <laughs> and then, do, you still, sorry, do you still have the bedspread and everything as well? I wish that I, so my mom, when I got a little bit older, it's not, I, I don't blame her at all. When I get a little bit older, um, you know, my room started to get a little bit more teenager. You know, I feel like every course, collector yeah. goes through this phase. I've heard about it from other collectors too, where you go through this phase in childhood, you love it. And then you become a teenager and you're trying to distance yourself from it, uh -huh, acting like you uh -huh. don't love it when you do. And then <laughs> <laughs> under that time, my mom, you know, she had given it to a lot of the stuff, not everything, but a lot of the stuff. To a family friend's kids that were also into spongebob and i acted like uh, i didn't care but my heart was broken a little bit uh, <laughs> well look, i don't I mean, blame her um it went yeah, to a good so nice place. for her to do that anyway exactly yeah but i don't have that bedspread the original one but i now have that bedspread and you may you know it may sound a little weird but i still have that bedspread as like an over blanket on my bed <laughs> <laughs> hey I, I don't blame you that's fine i actually have funnily enough just by chance have managed to keep the single bedspread from one of my childhood memories was having a transformers bedspread which i still actually have that as wow. well yeah that's so the coolest stuff it really is like i'm so like envious of some kids like because like you know i used to be like a really big pokemon uh, fan too i still am and like you know you're trading like over here like i'm sure in australia too we have a place called gamestop where you can just trade in your games and you know, yep. get money to buy new stuff. And like, I traded so much of that stuff in and it was always just to get the next thing I was into. But when people show me their collection, they're like, oh yeah, this is, you know, this baseball was from when I was like, you know, 12 years old. I'm so jealous because there's so many items that you can go out there and find and you can buy. And, you know, they may be rare, even if it's one of one, but the stuff that you grow up with is so valuable mm -hmm. because you can never really replace those moments and the history that it has. Mm -hmm. yeah 100 percent. and that that bedspread's from like the 80s I, I don't even have a single bed in the house but i still have the best yeah and it's like but how many way. different times in your life how many you know maybe like small drama but they're just like childhood drama you spent you know covering <laughs> over the blankets how many monsters that blanket protect you from you know yeah 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 let's go back to to your collection and especially like as i mentioned watching that video and obviously you're gonna have to do a new one with, with everything that's been added to the collection since but in in it you actually mention that you your goal is to be have the biggest spongebob collection i believe is, is that correct it's it's a crazy goal but i would like for that to happen because it's it's a tough goal to to accomplish because i think batman is kind of similar as you i know you collect batman it's like if you can think of it there might be a SpongeBob product for it, you know? Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Down to everything. So there's actually a few people out there that have some really big collections. Like I know I definitely have one of the biggest as far as quantity goes, but um, I would love to be able to get that, you know, accomplished. It's just kind of tough because it's like you have to get a lot of work done to submit it to Guinness for like a world record or anything like mm -hmm. that. It's mm -hmm. a very like difficult process to go through. 
And yeah. not only just that, you know, there's um, the voice actor who does Squidward, uh, Roger Bumpus. He also is trying to create the world's biggest SpongeBob collection. Oh. And he's got quite the advantage there. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> that's if I have to have second, exactly. If I have to have the second place <laughs> collection, I'm, I would be honored to be under Roger Bumpus. <laughs> well, I tell you what, um, if, if no one submitted it to Guinness World Record, you've only got to be first, right? Like, don't yeah, have yeah. to necessarily have the biggest. And I've had two Guinness World Record holders on the show already. I had the Wizarding World, the, the original Wizarding World um, title holder uh, from wow. Wizarding World memorabilia, and also the current Ghostbusters memorabilia record holder as well. And That's he, incredible. like, and you can imagine how big some Ghostbusters collections out there are. He's got around 1,100 items in his collection. How, how many items would you estimate you're at at the moment? Somewhere between maybe two to four thousand. There you go. It, you've only got to be the first one. Now, as you mentioned, and I've, t I've spoken about this with them, it is it is obviously quite the process in terms of documenting everything, photographing everything, getting it verified, and submitting it. It's all, yeah. all quite the process. Something I'm sure you could document if you wanted and do it as a video series or something, but exactly that's that's kind the, of the plan we have working on yeah I, I i as i said you've only got you don't need to necessarily have the biggest collection but you just need to be the first one to submit it and get it verified and you could literally have that plaque that certificate on the wall and be the first one yeah, like, i'm okay with getting beat eventually as long as i get like the, <laughs> one of them in there like you said i don't think there's currently anybody holding the record so like you said if if they're willing to validate it as a record then i should yeah. hopefully be able to get that done and what I do plan to do is like um like one of my favorite things about it and probably why the collection has grown as big as it is is I love connecting um and I'm sure that's why you do your podcast and your Instagram as well is like being able to connect with other people with the same interest mm -hmm. and like there's no way that the collection would have grown or I would even keep to it to the volume that I do if it wasn't for the community that's kind of rooting me on to do it and so many times where I can show an item in a video and it's able to unlock a memory for somebody and just make them smile and make them, you know, make their day a little bit better. That's what keeps pushing me going because, you know, I feel the same way. Like I feel the same way as I do in my videos. Like I'm so excited in the videos because genuinely that's what everything just pulls out of me. <laughs> you know, like when I'm in this room, like, you know, I come in my house and it's like, you know, I have to deal with the normal adult life stuff you have to deal with, you know, but as yeah. soon as I go in that room, and I'm sure the same thing for your collection room, you get in there, your brain just clicks and you're like, you're in this place of just joy and it's hard to be, you know, and any other type of move besides excited. So I definitely want to expand on documenting the collection. And I'm even thinking about maybe doing like a, another channel just strictly about the documentation of the items, just yeah. to kind of give a, a way for people to not only see what's in my collection, but have as close as they can to a hand-to-hand -hand experience with it virtually, almost mm -hmm. to make like a virtual like museum to where people can experience everything in the collection. Like I'm so fortunate to have so much stuff in the collection and so fortunate that, you know, through circumstances, I'm able to acquire so many things and I just feel lucky. And if I'm able to share that with other people, then that's just a dream, you know? That's, that's awesome. And it's a really cool goal to have as well. Um, as you mentioned, the, the, the community, the collector community, that's one of the reasons why I, I do this podcast. I it, it was a little bit selfish at first. It was just like, I'm going to make a podcast and it's going to give me a chance to geek out with other collectors. And, you know, there's a little, <laughs> little selfish, like, self I don't blame there. you. But 
it also has opened up this whole community of other people listening that that now I communicate with and and hearing their feedback and knowing that they really enjoy the podcast is is really cool. When, it's an immersion. Yeah, it is 100%. When you look at your because you you have this amazing setup actually and i noticed you you've like painted the bookshelves as well in in like themed them in the colors of the orange and the green as well um you've got specific stands i i, I noticed you had like a book stand i think you actually did a video about it where you actually yeah. have been a lot we're working on a library yeah we're trying yeah. to slowly acquire over a thousand books is the goal so so you've got all these like little awesome uh, you know corners and nooks in your collection including you've even got uh, arcade machines as well this is like almost like the grail for a lot of collectors they don't have the space for this sort of thing so you're very fortunate but you've actually got two arcade machines as well tell us about acquiring those i mean every, i'm sure everybody in my life has been having fun lugging these things around with me but <laughs> <laughs> That's that's definitely a selfish decision uh, for myself. There is having these machines, having thankfully friends that are willing to help me bring these places wherever I go. But um, both arcade machines, um, one of them the is one that I grew up playing all. Well, actually, both of them I grew up playing like a lot. Um, but one of them in particular, I was really, really that's like mind blow kind of mind blowing kind of situation was there used to be a pizza restaurant around here that was called Lampos Pizza. And it was only like one location in this particular area. There's a couple more outside in like further areas in Southern California. Mm -hmm. And they have this uh, Sega arcade redemption machine. You know, you put the coin in, you're trying to get to land on a certain slot, whether it be like a more big slot, gets you a little less coins, a more skinnier slot that gets you, you know, a, a higher amount of coin or higher amount of tickets. Okay. And it's pretty much just it, like a little, you know, coin, you feed coins into it and you kind of get as many tickets as possible. Yeah, but yeah. just because I was so into SpongeBob that just hearing the audio, the way the machine went, I loved hearing like it's almost like how car buffs hear like an engine, like hearing the arcade <laughs> machine, like the, the wheel roll and everything just does something for me. And I'm just like, this is amazing. So I gladly would put all my tokens into this particular machine. You know, my mom would wonder like, you know why I wouldn't leave that machine, but it was because, you know, hearing SpongeBob, you know, cheering me on to keep putting more quarters in there. So I was like, okay. But, you know, I played on this machine for a long time and eventually, you know, um, they actually closed this place down. And like a few, like several years went by. I was maybe, I don't know, maybe about seven years ago. Um, maybe, yeah, maybe actually about like, six years it doesn't really matter but around six seven years ago there yeah. was a, a guy who had posted about the arcade machine on i believe it was offer up like uh it's an app that they have over here to like kind of look for like local kind of like an old craigslist you know you look for people that are posting oh, yeah, stuff yep 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 and he happened to be in the same area this at this time i didn't realize it but in the same area as the lamppost pizza and, you know, I reached out to him and I'm like, hey, you know, like I'm interested in buying the machine. You know, he had said that there was other people interested. But like you said, I didn't have the space or didn't have, the, you know, didn't weren't willing to move it and stuff like that. So, you know, he worked with me on the price a little bit. I got it for a steal of like maybe three hundred dollars. Wow. Um, yeah. You know, now it's like, you know, it's just, you know, I think it was just because it's like you said, it's so big and he was trying to get the space out mm -hmm. of his house, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and like, I'll yeah. definitely take it into my home and <laughs> deal with it if you want to be called dealing with it. Like, I love it. 
But, um, you know, I got them, got there, you know, I checked out the machine, you know, I, I was like looking over it and he said that like, he worked on arcade cabinets that he uh, worked at a, a, like an arcade, like a local one that we have over here. And he took like multiple machines that he had and he took the best parts out of all of them and then put them into this one. So like everything worked perfectly. And that like reassured me that like, you know, it was a good pickup. So I had to rent the truck, you know, and I had to load it up. So that cost some extra money too, but I'm like, okay, whatever, this is worth it. I got to make a video out of it too. So that cool. was fun. And then um, I loaded it up into the car, you know, a little bit later after that, like it took a couple months we were talking before I actually was able to come up and get it from him. But I got the, I got the machine in, I brought it back to my house and I'm just like looking at it in this amazement. Like I still didn't know where I was going to put it. Like I still didn't even know where it would go in my house, but to make the story a little shorter, sorry if I'm going on a little too long about it, but That's okay. I I opened up the cabinet for the, uh, you know, to see the coin slots and everything, just checking the whole machine out. He gave me the key for it. I opened it up, and lo and behold, the tickets that are inside of there were Lamp Post Pizza. Oh, And it nice. was the very same machine that had been at the Lamp Post Pizza that I had been going to and played on as a kid. <laughs> And, and I got, literally and that, got goosebumps up the whole body. And I mean, it could have been from a further <laughs> lamppost, but in the, the way the area was, it made so much more sense that it was that one. So I just, you know, it makes it even more important to me to have it in the collection, knowing that it's probably more likely the one that I played on growing up. And it's a funny little irony to know that you'd put so much money into that as a kid and that it still was taking your money as a young adult as well. Exactly. And I, I looked at the, um, I looked at the, I think like what it was, we did the math on it. Like the machine has actually a counter of how many times people played it. And the counter still, like I never set it back. It's still where it's at. It had over 435,000 plays on it. Wow. So if you break that down to like a quarter, that's over a hundred grand that that machine made almost in its lifetime. Wow. <laughs> that that's that's crazy that's crazy to think about especially just in a pizza place wow that's what i thought too i was like that is unreal so i have to want to do the update of the video i'll have to check that show that little aspect of it because that was another thing i was just like it has miles you know it has miles <laughs> that's really cool and yeah absolutely amazing piece for the collection as i said uh, you know most collectors would be you know kicking themselves to, to, to get something like that. I know in my collection, I don't necessarily have the space for it, but if I was to have a larger room, I can see myself eventually adding a pinball machine because there's some really cool Batman themed pinball machines that, that oh, I've seen yes. for sale on eBay as well. Speaking of eBay, there's actually a, an item in your collection, which you actually unveil at the end of that video as well. I've watched another video of you, uh, showing this item off and, and lighting it specifically and, and think, you know, where yes. I'm going to go with this, but you have a, an item that you didn't just have to drive down, you know, the road to pick up. You actually had to get from the other coast of the U S to put in your, yes, uh, in your, yes. tell me, tell exactly. me about, tell me about the sign. Yeah. I'd say the sign is probably one of, if not the most iconic item in my collection that usually whenever anybody mentions my collection or we're talking about it, the first thing that comes up or that comes to mind is the sign. It's kind of like the mascot, so to speak. And, uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, when I first uh, reached out to the guy about the sign, I didn't really know a lot about the history on the sign, but I could tell that the quality on it was just so nice. There was no way it was like some kind of reproduction or like, you know, it just, they don't make stuff like that for Nickelodeon quite yet, especially at the time that I got it, yeah. you know, so 
I reached out to him, asked him about it, you know, and um, he had told me that he got it from like, a you know, a mall that somebody else had got it from a mall and they gave it to him and he had had it in storage for like over eight years and it was just collecting dust. But he told the person that originally had it that there was two signs of the same sign for the same place. But one of them they had like in like a basically like a storage space kind of to replace the other sign. But they cut that one in half, you know, unfortunately, and they threw it out. And this person put it in their truck and just took it home. <laughs> so the sign, um, I had to get it shipped all the way from New Hampshire, which um, from the U.S. map, if you look at that, like besides being in New York, is about as far as you could possibly be from Southern California. Yeah, yeah 100%. <laughs> and the sign weighs about 200 pounds because it's all metal. The whole sign's metal besides the wow. actual letters that are like out of like maybe like um, either plastic or something. Kind of porcelain. Yeah, yeah. And I had them ship it. They had to, he was going to, you know, the sign was expensive, but the shipping was almost just as much. And, you know, I had like, fortunately, you know, doing what I've been doing on YouTube and like the audience and stuff like that, we were able to get the funds to acquire it. And they had to ship it on a freight truck, like a straight up 18 wheeler all the way to my house. And I think I also shown that video, like the reveal of me getting it off the truck Mm -hmm. too. Yeah, you do. That's right. And that was several years, like maybe a year and a half, two years before I had actually showed that video and actually showed it off fully and all that stuff because it was just kind of living in a secret. But I knew that I would need that footage someday. <laughs> so I had like, you know, my friend at the time record the whole process. And I'm like, I don't know when. I don't know when. I, I didn't even have Comfort Cartoons, the channel that I have about collecting at that time. I just knew mm-hmm. at some point I would need that footage. So I was so glad that we documented that. And, you know, um, it took a long time of putting the sign in my own storage for a period of time, putting it in my living room for a period of time, which, you know, uh, was not fun. <laughs> not because it was not hung up. It was just in a wooden crate, like a huge wooden crate behind my couch. <laughs> yeah. And it looks like it's about, I, I, I'm going to say at least 10 foot wide, right? Like about three meters for, for people who don't. Yeah. Yeah. About that. Like I think it's it measures out to like eight and a half or something like that. Wow, it's it's huge, and then and then I, I as I mentioned, I watched another video uh, where you actually um, backlit it as well, so you put neon lighting behind it, which just makes it pop so nicely off off the wall as well. Yeah, I just uh, I was so happy to finally give it a place to finally sit up, and you know, like I just think that when you have an item like that, like first off, I wanted to share it with other people, but not just that to be able to give it a proper place to sit, you know. It was killing me just having it in this crate, just kind of being moved around wherever I go. So Uh when I finally got it up there, I knew when I put it up there, I needed to do lights. Like I had to do the lights, but Mm -hmm. that video was so like, it took so long to do. And like the process in (laughs) itself was so much work that I was so spent. I couldn't even imagine putting lights on at that moment. So eventually down the line, I was able to do the lights. And like you said, now um, that just makes it look so much better and it gives it so much more of a dynamic look. Nice. And to give you some history on the sign, I actually was able to get a little bit more information about it. And it came from um, one of the only stores at the time that they had for Nickelodeon, which was actually a Nickelodeon store that they had in the mall at some period of time. Wow. That's that's really cool. And I think you actually maybe have a photo like of the front of a store sort of showing what it would have looked yeah. like at the time as well, which was really cool watching that. And I thought, and- what was more perfect than a whole, you know, a whole <laughs> video, a whole channel dedicated to Nickelodeon products for it to be the entry point for a Nickelodeon store. 
you know? Yeah. So yeah. many people went in there, purchased Nickelodeon products, and then walked on out. And now that's what we're documenting here in Rome. It, it is really cool. Actually, that's one of the things I thought watching your channel as well and looking at your collection. There's a few different collectors that I've had on, and, and there was one recently um, that I had, uh, which was a McDonald's collector and he's kind of sees himself as a bit of a historian and it feels like your collection yes. is a little of the same where you, you're sort of you're getting to document the history of some of these items and some of these pieces in your collection but um also keep them to that you know essentially you know one day they might be passed on to another collector but you're essentially holding on to those things and saving them from a from a um you know, an early demise or like the second sign got cut in half and thrown out, you know, those things, once they're gone, they're gone, you know, but there's a little tiny pieces of history right there. Exactly. I think all of us collectors can really um, understand that perspective of like, if, if a lot of people can look at our collections, just see it as a bunch of junk, you know, as a bunch of yeah. stuff, you know, yeah. but to certain people, it means a lot. Like to me, it means a lot. Like to me, your collection is beautiful. And I think it's so cool that you know you're able to encapsulate your interests and something you have a space and a place you can go that just makes you feel like you and you can just enjoy that stuff yeah. and i've noticed that people as we get older you become more and more nostalgic you uh -huh. know and there's not a lot of people at least my age especially when i started out collecting at like you know 20 you know there was not a lot of people necessarily nostalgic about these things quite yet but as I'm getting older, more and more of those people are starting to be like, oh, yeah, you remember this? You remember that? I'm like, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and I would, you know, I want to be able to have that stuff and document it and give it all of its glory. So that way, as more people get older and they do start to take a look back there for them. That's so cool. Would you say like on so your YouTube channel? That's all right. Yeah, it looked like it glitched a little bit maybe my internet connection um your youtube channel are you actually like talking about that with the people coming in and, and sharing that nostalgia because I, I your analytics probably show you the average age of your viewers do you know what the sort of average age is of the people who watch your channel yes, yes. the the biggest range is like 25 to 35 and then after that it's 35 to like i think 50. see that, how so cool is like that for something that's yeah. like on a kid's channel, based on a kid's channel as well. Exactly. A lot of people think that like most of the videos are made for kids or that like a lot of like family friends that just look on at what I'm doing. Like, like, oh yeah, most of the kids probably watch your show. I'm like, no, most of them are the same age as me or maybe even a little older. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. That's it's right. hard for them to believe that, but it's just, that's what it is. Well, let's actually speaking about some of that uh history i mentioned to you earlier that occasionally i do a pop quiz with my guests and mm -hmm. so i've actually um i've actually created a pop quiz and there's a couple of questions in there that talk a little bit about the history of nickelodeon as well so oh, man before we start before we... my teachers i'm not very good at tests, but i'll try my best <laughs> that's all right listen it, it's a fun pop quiz it, it's all good it's all for fun the points they mean nothing um but it's it's more just about the fun and 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 i also love doing these pop quizzes because when i'm doing the research for these i'm finding out a lot of things and i'll 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 be able to divulge a couple of those things as, as we go along but it's only five questions just so you know so it's should be okay. nice and easy for you you're good to go i'm good to go yeah all right sweet i'm, all right. I'm good to go <laughs> <laughs> all right so question number one 
and I figured being a SpongeBob collector, I should, I, I should, you know, start with the thing that you love. How many seasons of SpongeBob have currently aired? I believe they're on season 12. Close. Okay. Plus what is one. It? Plus one. 13. Okay. So 13. The beginning, okay. So 13. Dang. Yeah. yeah that's <laughs> right. They're currently in, but it, it, you know, it is funnily enough. I, when I was doing the research for this, as I said, I, I learned a lot of stuff. Um, I was so surprised. I, I mentioned earlier the fact that I was surprised that it started in 99 when I thought it was actually this yeah. size of the millennium. But to find out that they were still creating SpongeBob, I, I thought it was one of those things where they'd made three or four seasons of it and was just running on the reruns of that. And that, you know, that was where the love for it came from. Exactly. Uh, but the fact that they've kept making it and then obviously I, I think through the pandemic probably was, was some of the things that slowed down. But if you actually look on IMDb, the airing dates for season 12, they start in 2020 and then some of them are in 2021 and then some of them are in 2022. So it, it's easy for you to get confused, um, especially exactly, when it's been running for so like, long. Like, yeah, exactly. It's been running for so long and I, I don't have cable anymore. So like, I think if I was watching it like actively when it's on, maybe I would uh -huh. know, but now I just watch everything on Paramount Plus. And the fact is that it's now as of just this year, it's passing 300 episodes, which is, is amazing. Like I had no idea. 300 episodes is, is crazy. Like you said, they really now they some of the seasons were like that where they were stretched out. But I think now even more so, like you said, they stretched the seasons out over a period of years, whereas before, mm -hmm. you know, it was way more compressed, like seasons three all the way to like seven were a lot more fast paced comparatively to now. Like you said, it's you get an episode here, you get an episode there, and it's a lot harder to keep track of everything. Yeah. But at the same time, if it helps with the show's longevity, I'm always here for it. I'll give you a half a point anyway, because as I said, it was easy to get confused okay, okay. <laughs> with, with the way they stretched those, those seasons out. But yes, 13 episodes over 300, uh, 13 seasons over 300 episodes, which is, is okay. it's crazy in my mind, but really cool. Uh, question number two, what famous UK music icon voiced a character in 2007? Oh, UK icon. Is Russell Brand an icon? <laughs> uh, musical, musical icon. A musical icon. Oh, David oh, Bowie? Yes. Yes. David Bowie. Bowie. Okay, yes. there you go. Yeah. Because I was thinking, it. okay, so for SpongeBob in specific, okay, I was thinking like Nickelodeon as a whole because I'm like, no, Russell no, Brand no, sorry. Things, no, but sorry. I, I, I should for sure. So yeah, I David should, Bowie. Do I still yes, get the David point Bowie. for the delay? No, no, 100%. You get the point. Yes. David Bowie okay. played Lord Royal Highness. In the episode yes. Atlantis Square Pantis. Yes, yes. I he's actually <laughs> the only character in there that doesn't have a song. Oh. Wow. I, I, I <laughs> every no character idea. in that every character in that sings, including uh I think Plankton twice. And not to say there are bad singers, they're they're great singers in that show, but they're not David Bowie. <laughs> David <laughs> Bowie actually didn't sing. Maybe that was just maybe a little out of budget. I don't know, but it's just kind of interesting to watch them. Kind of a musical episode with David Bowie not singing. And and it, it was it was a semi trick question because there was another, if you want to call her a musical icon, some people may. Victoria Beckham, aka Posh Spice, was also yes. um, in an episode in two thousand and ten as well. Yes. Who did she voice? 
I did not see that part, unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> I, did, I, I remember this down. as well, but I'm trying to recall who exactly. Yeah, but yeah, but I did see that she was also listed on on people that had voiced to the show as well. So I was was quite surprised to see that. Question number three, and you're going pretty well so far, so you should be happy. Yeah, one and a half is not bad. I'm passing so far, so far. Okay. This one, this one might be a little bit of a deeper cut, but you, you may know this one. Where does the name Nickelodeon come from? Um, Nickelodeon comes from the old uh, nickel machines where you put in a nickel into an old uh, video machine and you get a little snippet of a revolving uh, image that slowly starts to move. And that's essentially where it all came from. Yeah. And they also, it was also the nickname given to cinemas with an admission fee of one nickel as well. Yes. Yes. Yeah, nice, nice. All right, there you go. You're at two and a half points already. So you've you've already like technically that's a pass mark, right? Like, okay, like, okay. 50%. <laughs> so, so you can relax now. Relax now. Two more questions to go. A little bit deeper cut again here. What year did the Nickelodeon Kids Choice Awards get its start? Oh man, I know it's like late. This is before you like were born. Actually. Be like yeah yeah so i'm gonna go with like maybe 89 oh you're so close 87 88 87 oh, i knew it was late 80s but i couldn't put a <laughs> finger on uh because i'm thinking in my mind about like the nick magazines how far back they go and i'm like okay the earliest one i can remember the kids choice award is like you know the 90s and they start to go back but then it stops before the nickelodeon magazine was started after that point so i was like okay it has to be somewhere around there but I'll give you a point because you said 88 because I believe that 87 was when the first they first did the awards, but the first time it was called the Kids' Choice Awards, I believe, was 88 um, okay. based on what I was reading. So I'll give you a point anyway for that. Uh, as I said, it was... <laughs> You're being it was, very it was, generous with the points. I appreciate it was, that. It, it was before you were born anyway. And an interesting thing about that as well, the, um, the current trophy version, which people who are familiar with the Kids' Choice Awards would be familiar with, is the Orange Blimp which I had no idea is a kaleidoscope as well. How cool is that? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's very, that's one of the items I would, uh, I'd love to collect. I did have an opportunity to get one at the time, but I was, it was a lot younger back then and I just didn't have the funds for it, but I did have the option at that time, but they actually have changed the kids choice awards for periods of time, but it always went back to the blimp. Yeah. And that, that version that started in 1990. So now it's more than 30 years, they've actually been using the, the blimp as the, the trophy award, which is really cool. Is that a grail yeah. item that you'd love to have in your collection? It definitely is. Like I said, I mean, obviously it's like, you can't really be picky and choosy with which one it is, you know, like it would be really cool to get like, maybe like a Backstreet Boy one or you know, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> but you know yeah. i would take anything you know like a writer's one you know anything like that <laughs> it would be a lot of money for like a justin timberlake one or something i imagine yeah exactly like it really that's where the prices start to fluctuate there's some that uh, a lot of times what they'll do is they actually send some of the uh some of the actors you know people that are produce films they send them a blank blimp a lot of times to do photos and different shoots uh -huh. And they use that blank blimp to do different, like I said, like uh, production images and stuff like that. So there's a lot of blank blimps that exist. Uh -huh. And those are a little bit easier to acquire because they're not tied to a name or anything like that. They're just pretty much the prop. But it is the okay. same exact blimp 
they just don't have their names engraved. But the pricing really comes down to, like you said, whose blimp it is or what mm. the movie or whatever it's the about. award. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair, and really cool. Um, and one of the the other things I noticed because obviously the history, uh, nineteen seventy nine was when that I didn't realize how old Nickelodeon was. Nineteen seventy nine was when it. Uh, it was first launched and it was the first cable channel for children. Um, the There's another thing they do at the Kid Choice Awards, which is the slime. And I, oh, yeah. I, I always wondered about the slime because there was a, there was a show that I used to watch as a kid, like in the eighties when I was a child called, you can't do that on television, which some people may be familiar with. And they used to get slimed in that show all the time. If you said the words, I don't know, you would get hit with the green slime. Yeah, that was and, pretty much like well, I'd say one of the earliest, most iconic shows that a lot of people can remember was you know uh, you can't see that on television. And you know, you, I don't know if you were going to mention it, but you know about the whole history of what they made the slime out of. No, no, tell me. Yeah, so now the slime is made out of like glue, dye, a few other things. I've actually had the opportunity to be slimed in Nickelodeon slime, which is <laughs> a dream come true. <laughs> but originally, the first slime was made, and they first did it, came up with the idea, was made out of stuff that they had found in Nickelodeon kitchen in the fridge. They had just chopped all the stuff, mushed oh. up all the stuff together. Oh, <laughs> it no. was really like a rancid smelling amalgam of nasty foods that were blended in with dye <laughs> to make it a slime. That's why it's so chunky and it doesn't yes. have the same viscosity that the new slime does. Yes. It was just mulch of food. <laughs> oh, no wonder. Yeah, I I, do, I was actually watching videos earlier um, of, of people getting slimed and, and yeah, it did seem chunky. That that makes a lot of sense. And another yeah. thing that I, I found out that was really cool I had no idea, firstly, that that was a Nickelodeon show, but it makes sense now with the sliming and everything. Mm -hmm. But one of the other cool things that I found out was that one of the earliest, uh, there was a couple of people whose careers were launched starting with that show. One of them was Alanis Morissette because it was a Canadian um, kids well, TV wow. show. So Alanis Morissette was actually one of the characters, one, one of the people uh, on the show. Yeah, and there's I'm actually, aware of that too, and, and you can find it on YouTube, but there's actually a skit where she's being told by her mother that she can't date rock musicians, basically talking about how bad rock musicians were as a child. <laughs> Look at her now. <laughs> and now, yes, the irony is a bit ironic, as they would say. <laughs> they Very <just> much so. <laughs> sometimes that's just how life is that's the most like that's what just ends up happening the most ironic stuff is what ends up coming to fruition <laughs> that's right that's right look we're, we've still got one question to go there i hope this will okay. be a, a, a an easy one but this is actually a throwback to to the earlier times that i'm familiar with in the 90s so this is a rocco's modern life question so Oof. last question hopefully an easy one what is the name of rocco's pet dog Oh, yeah, that one's easy. We got it. It's funky. <laughs> there you go. Ding, ding, ding. Nice. All right. So four and a half points. Four and a half points. Okay. Not bad. Not bad. You were very generous, <laughs> but, but thank you. <laughs> but no, I've, look, this has been a really fun time chatting with you. Uh, we'll wrap it up there. Before I let you go, though, give yourself a plug. Where can people find you? The YouTube channel, as I mentioned, and, and where else online? Yes, I'm all over the internet. I've got uh, three different YouTube channels. You can check out ADHD's World, where I do a lot of crazy stuff. I do anime channel, which is based up around anime called Anime Avenue. But the most place I want people to go the most right now 
and definitely for this community here would be Comfort Cartoons. Um, that was a channel that was started purely from just passion. And I never thought that it would have a reach, you know, and in, in any regard other than just maybe a few people that like the same thing. And I'm so grateful that it's able to resonate with so many people and that we're able to grow it the way that it has been so far. And I would love for people to go check out Comfort Cartoons if they have the time or the opportunity. And um, thank you again so much for having me on the show. And I can't wait to look for, you know, look forward to watching some of your next episodes. And I can't wait to go through your back catalog too, because I could just listen to collectors talk all day and how little tips that they do in their collection, what got them started. And just that passion for me uh, is what drives me to do everything that I'm doing. So thank you again for having me here. No, you're welcome. Thank you so much for your time. It's been it's been my pleasure, as I, as I say to all the collectors that come on here, because it is really cool to be able to actually chat about the things that we love together. So thank you very much, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. I hope you do too, and I hope everybody uh, listening to this does as well. And um, I'm going to send some of the rep pack over here, so just know you guys, I love you guys too. If you liked the episode, please consider following or subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also join me on Instagram at Collecting Heroes, where you can see photos of the collections of the people that I'm talking to, as well as some of my own.